there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Well, we do have the doctor in the house, but uh, we don't have RSB in the house. Uh, unfortunately, I guess for, for most people listening, RSB's out in London, and he's speaking out there with um, – who's he speaking with, Doc? And he's speaking with uh, Robert Kirk with Alliance for National Health, and then Do- I think Dr. Jonathan Wright's out there. I think yeah, he's hanging out he with the that to me. I was going to say, you know, he's, uh, he's left us in the, in the dirt, and he's, he's hanging with the big boys, so <laughs> You just got to keep the fort down, you know what I mean? That's right. That's right, Dr. Vitar. He he called me up about a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, would you be willing to, to cover the advanced medicine money? I said, sure, man. That'll be fun just to get a chance to – me and Vitar get to rib on each other for a full hour now. I'm actually surprised that you actually played the, the, the thing that Don created for me. I thought that it would end up opening it up with the Wednesday show. Your team, so. <laughs> I was getting ready for I – was, I was kind of hoping for that, but it didn't – we didn't have a glitch in the Matrix today like we did a couple of weeks ago with my show. I actually haven't even heard what yours is, Todd, tell you the truth. Every time I've, I've come into the show, it's always been like in the middle of the show, so I've never heard the introduction. It's actually a really, really cool introduction that Super Don put together. I was impressed. That, Don, that, uh, that pretty yeah. talented. Yeah, he's he's very talented, you know, and it takes talent like that to 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 make like a bum like me sound good. So I was gonna uh, say, I'm, I'm offset us so that it makes it sound good. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a preemptive strike on these on these critiques. I'm gonna cut myself down first, so there'll be nothing left. But um, <laughs> it, listen, man, um, there was we were talking before we came on the air. Um, I want to talk about this this pro Monsanto scientist, Super Don. You got a clip that we want to hear. Um, we're gonna we're gonna play this. This is, I heard this over the weekend with Charlene. She showed me this video, and this is this is literally a, a pro Monsanto scientist. And I'm not really sure what that means. I mean, it, maybe he took a science class in 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 tenth grade. It, apparently, he has a doctor before his name, but that doesn't mean a lot in some cases. <laughs> but uh, pro Monsanto wouldn't that be like equivalent to like a devil worshiper or something like that? <laughs> it, yeah, it would. It'd be like a, a devil worshiper in a church. But uh, apparently, he insisted during a TV show that that well, you know what? Let's just let's let's play the clip, Super Don, and then me and Doctor Bittar will talk about it afterwards. Do not believe that glyphosate in Argentina is causing increases in cancer. You can drink a whole quart of it, and it won't hurt you. It's, uh, it, you want to drink some? We have some here. I'd be happy to, actually. But you, not, not really, but not really. I know it wouldn't hurt <laughs> I mean, me. If, if, if you say so, I have some glyphosate. No, no, I'm not stupid. Ah, okay, so you... you, you no, but I know... So that, it's dangerous, I right? Know, I know people try to commit suicide no, with no, it and fail no, fairly regularly. Tell the truth. It's, it's not dangerous, dangerous to humans. No, it's no. not. So are you ready to drink one glass of glyphosate? No, I'm not an idiot. Interview me about golden rice. That's did, what I'm talking did, about. Okay, then it's except, finished. Except, except, then the interview is finished. That's a, that's a good way to solve things. Yeah. You're a complete jerk. Oh, <laughs> oh man. What do you think so of that, let me get this Dr. Straight. Yeah, I was going to ask you, so let me get this straight. When somebody proves that you're an imbecile, the only thing that you can do is call somebody a jerk? That's well, the only response he, the guy had. Because, you know, he, he just said it's totally safe for humans. Then he admitted... He said, yeah, I'd be happy to do it. Not, not really. I don't want to. Then he says that people routinely commit suicide by drinking it. But then he says that it's completely safe for humans. And now then he the interviewer being a jerk. So this guy yeah. was like all over the place. I think he was, I think he was operating with, uh, with one of those brains that's one neuron short of a synapse. 
I think, you, you know, it sounded like it to me. It really, the first time that I saw it, I, I knew that it was real, but it, it's so absurd that it almost looks like something you would see on, on an Onion story or a, a parody of an interview, yeah. but it was real. I mean, because he says, yeah, number one, I, I would drink, you know, you can drink a quart. It won't hurt you. But will we have a quart? Will you drink it? Of course I will. Well, no, I won't. I'm not stupid. <laughs> People commit suicide with it, but I'm not an idiot. So, you, okay. I think you covered it, Dr. Bittar. He's an imbecile and maybe a moron, but maybe he's not stupid and an idiot. I tell you what he is. He's a hypocrite is what he is. He's operating on – he's, he's uh, one taco short of a combination platter. <laughs> one price short of a Happy Meal, right? Um, yeah. But the bottom line is he's, he's advocating the use of this pesticide. I mean this is where it kind of gets serious. He's advocating the use of this pesticide in this interview. People are going to listen to this guy because he's got a DR before his name, and he's saying this is safe. You could drink it, and if the guy hadn't called him out on the carpet at that point, that interview might have gotten out, and people think, yeah, glyphosate's completely safe. This doctor said you could actually drink it, but the guy actually had the the cojones there, the the uh, good interview skills, whatever you want to call it, to say, hey, we've got we've got it in the back. Why don't you drink it? And he showed the doctor Moore, his name is Patrick Moore, to be a complete hypocrite. Well, I think that it's now up to us to definitely get this out more and more because you're right, the media, popular media would have picked this up had the interview gone the way they wanted to go, but because it didn't, it won't see the light of day, so it's up to us to now perpetuate it and spread it far and wide, and yeah. I think it's a great clip to um, show the hypocrisy. I honestly don't even think we need to say anything, Ty. I, I think yeah. that the interview itself speaks volumes, so. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. It really does. But, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that we've got to get out there because the mainstream won't. And, and that reminds me, there's a story here that Super Don sent over. Medical tyranny in Tennessee forced antibiotics on newborns. I don't know if you saw this article, Doc, but the, the gist of it is down in Chattanooga that uh, there's a health system, Erlanger Health System. They're going to start forcing all newborn babies to receive that antibiotic ointment to their eyes at birth, whether the parents want it or not. Now, this is the thing that's interesting about the way that the article spun. The the reporter gives tries uh, apparently gives both sides of the story, but she says the parents are refusing the ointment. They insist that they don't have STDs, and so the ointment's unnecessary and unnatural. Others say the procedure interferes with critical bonding during the child's first moments of life. And then she says, however, the doctors say the ointment is effective without any side effects. But she doesn't go into any details. There's no... There's no fact-checking behind this doctor's position. She just says, well, it's because they're doctors. They say it's effective with no side effects. Number one, what do you think about rubbing antibiotic cream on the eyes of newborns to start with? It's erythromycin, by the way. Are you asking me what I think about it? Yeah, I mean, because people are oh, going to read this. I didn't know it was a rhetorical it, question. Or, I didn't know it was a no, rhetorical I, question because it's... Well, I, yeah, I, I know. I know your your position, but I want you to to lay it out straight for the for the read, for the listeners here. Well, let's back up for a second, and I think this is a really important point that you brought up, Ty. Before we even go into the what happens as far as side effects, when a doctor said it's totally safe, like this researcher that we just heard talk about the Monsanto uh, components, or or this doctor you're saying that they quoted saying it's completely safe to put the erythromycin cream. You have to remember that all they're doing is they're regurgitating the propaganda that they have been taught. They have no concept of original thought whatsoever. They have not looked at anything. They haven't read anything. They are just regurgitating and, and vomiting the information that they have been fed like a robot. And this mm. is the honestly, God, truth. I'm not exaggerating here in the least. Here's why. 
Because when patients of mine have told their pediatricians or their doctors when they go to get a vaccine or whatever, I want to make sure that it is mercury-free. It has no mercury. I've had this happen at least twice that I know of, that I can think of right off the top of my head. And I'm sure that other patients have had, other doctors and patients have had the same type of experience. But the patient has stated to the doctor or to the nursing staff to relate to the doctor, and the doctor comes back and appeases the patient, tells them, there is no mercury in here. They don't use mercury anymore. It's no more mercury, so they don't have anything to worry about. Mom is sitting there, baby's in the mom's lap. They give the baby the injection. Mom looks over, there's a vial sitting right there that drew up. Mom picks it up, looks at it, and it says thimerosal. Mom screams bloody murder, says, you said there was no mercury in it. The doctor says, there is no mercury in it. The mom says, look, right here, it says thimerosal. And the doctor says, that's not mercury. They don't mm. know that thimerosal is mercury, that's not for mercury. So my point is that they are just regurgitating the propaganda that they've been fed when these doctors go on the popular media and talk about this stuff, they, mm. they don't have any information. It's almost like, it, it's almost like um, interviewing a wolf. Oh, what's that old adage? Uh, wolf, let's see, a wolf wearing sheep's clothing. You can't expect a wolf to know the facts that are going to say that wolves are dangerous, right? You, you, know, you, you can't rely on a wolf say, oh, yes, we're dangerous to the flock. Right, exactly. So they, they don't know it. They've actually been led to believe that this is exactly the truth, and just read the script, and you're done. And that's mm-hmm. what they do. So whenever you're talking to a leading expert, that's the first key, leading expert, and you especially see them in popular media, your alert meter should be already at high. <laughs> yeah. because, I mean, you know what I feel about experts. You know what I said in my book in the first chapter about how I feel about experts. Right. Mm-hmm. The only yeah. way somebody can can insult me is by actually calling me an expert. I don't. I don't. I think once the person <laughs> truly believes that they're an expert, they're going to be. Yeah. You know, it's time for us to be taken by the Creator, and and uh, we've fulfilled our mission because there's nothing else for us left to learn. And that's what the connotation of an expert is that they don't think that there's any more space in their brain to comprehend more information. That they have everything that they need to learn has been learned. That's preposterous. Yeah. If, as is. soon as we get to that point, you know, it, it, once the growth stops, the case sets in. So as soon as we get to that point, we think we're experts, we're not decaying. So that's the first yeah. thing I would want the listeners to listen to, or to hear, at least the words that I'm saying, to remember that, that alert aspect. And then going yeah. on to specifically your question that you brought up, Ty, what yeah. happens when erythromycin or any type of antibody cream is rubbed on the eye? So let's back up for a second. Let's just talk about antibiotics in general. What happens to any type of uh, flora, natural flora, endogenous flora? When we say natural endogenous flora, we're talking about flora, the bacteria that is naturally present in our body, the natural bacteria that is essential for life, meaning that if we didn't have that bacteria in our intestines, on our hands, in our nasopharynx, in our throat, we would be dead because that natural flora keeps the pathogenic flora, the abnormal flora, the abnormal yeast, all the disease-causing parasites and such to overtake. So the natural flora, what we also know as probiotics, right. those are essential for life. So anytime you take any type of antibiotic, you are, by definition, killing off not only pathogenic bacteria, but you're also killing off endogenous, natural, healthy flora that's, that's essential yeah. for life. So gotcha. when you're talking, 
that the, is that the track coming yeah, on? Yeah, we got. Ahead. Yeah, that's the that's the break music. But we'll pick this up on the other side because I want to get you to compare that. Then we can do it together with the way that we treat cancer today. A lot of similarities there, Doc. Hang tight. It's Robert Scott Bell Show. I'm sitting in for RSB. We got Doctor Bupar here on Advanced Medicine Money. We'll be right back. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, so we're back with Dr. Rajat Buttar tonight, and. Um, before the break there, we were talking about the way that antibiotics indiscriminately kill. So Dr. Buttar was, was saying they, they kill the good bacteria, the friendly flora, the probiotics, but as, as well as the bad stuff, and that throws off the balance in your gut. And, it, and what, that affects the immune system primarily, doesn't it, Dr. Buttar? Well, it, it affects the immune system in, a, in an indirect manner because, let's put it this way, you're getting rid of the natural barriers, and so then the immune system is to work harder. It puts more of a burden on the immune system, which now causes an increase in the uh, need for the endocrine system to kickstart and, and, and you know, the cortisol levels and the, and the stress that the body's going through. And so there's a whole cascade of events that takes place. And the problem is that when you get rid of your natural defenses, your body becomes more susceptible. And when the body becomes more susceptible, not only do you have more pathogenic substances that you have to be aware of, but you also yep. now end up creating other types of issues, and it's, it's really an issue of balance. So it's not that the antibiotics kill people. Antibiotics indiscriminately kill bacteria, and the bacteria vector is important to be uh, um, for an individual to have so that they, they actually are able to maintain health. You cannot maintain health by being completely sterile, meaning having a sterile environment, no bacteria. This is the right. first fundamental thing that we have to understand. For example, I know you know this, I know Super Don knows this, I know Robert Stabell knows this, but maybe a lot of our listeners don't know, when you use those antibacterial hand lotion soaps to kind of clean your hands, yep. it is one of the worst substances that you can use, because what you're doing is you're basically taking all the natural bacteria that your body has, and you're creating this sterile environment which allows for pathogenic stuff to, to actually, there's nothing natural that's impeding its growth. So just washing your hands with warm, soapy water is the best thing. But using these other types of bactericidal lotions and such, which kills everything, is not a good idea at all. Just, it's just not a good idea. If you right. want to, if you want to think about, um, look at weed killers. Right? I don't believe in weed killers. Weed killers are like antibiotics. Think of it that way. I don't believe in weed killers because weed killers are supposed to kill the weed, but leave the regular grass grow. Theoretically, right? The problem right. is if you put animals on that grass, those animals end up having problems because the weed killers, even though they may not have killed the grass, they end up killing the animals because the grass carries the insecticides and pesticides into the animals and then they cause it with the type of poison. Right. And that's actually what leads to cancer and many of these things that we have to deal with in modern day lifestyle. Yeah. And you know, it reminds me, last year I interviewed Jeffrey Smith 
the expert on GMOs for the quest for the cures, and he said, what we call weeds, other countries call food, too. So yeah. I mean, what exactly is a weed? I mean, a lot of things that we cut down our yard or in the forest we think are weeds are actually nourishment, and we just don't know about it. We're ignorant of that fact. But let's go real quick. We just got a couple minutes here to the similarities between using antibiotic cream, let's say on the face or on the hands or, or whatever, and even antibiotic injections, and relate that to uh, chemotherapy. The way that how, how is that similar to treating chemo, uh, cancer with chemo? Well, um, that's actually the, the similarity is actually it's a great point that you brought bring up. So if if you remember the adage, what doesn't kill you serves to only make you stronger. You can apply that to antibiotics. What doesn't kill uh, the bacteria will then cause these bacteria that are resistant to the antibiotics. And this is where we get the MRSA, methyl-resistant Staph aureus, which has become a very, very significant problem in the industrialized world. Well, when you look at chemo, chemo is the same type of thing. Chemo is not selective in what it kills. Chemo does kill cancer, but it also causes disruption in normal cell metabolism in healthy cells. And it actually causes, if somebody doesn't, if somebody's not sick and you give them chemotherapy, you will make them sick. When mm. people are handling chemo, they have to wear special protective gear because it's destructive to the natural, healthy individual. So chemo right. is not selective. It basically kills everything. It's like napalm. It goes in. It's not selective. But what also chemo does is that if it doesn't kill all the cancer, it also serves to make those cancer cells, it mutates them. Cancer is highly mutagenic and adaptogenic, and it becomes used to that chemo, and it becomes resistant to the chemo, so it becomes even more virulent, more damaging, more yeah. um, uh, invasive, if you will. Um, not, not literally invasive, but it, it becomes harder to kill. And that's what you get when you call, call it cancer that's resistant or refractory treatment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, that's a great explanation. We'll pick that up on the other side of the bottom of the hour here. I'm talking to Dr. Rosh Buttar here with Advanced Medicine Monday. This is TMB, RSBs in London, and we'll be right back. on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That's not Robert. That's Ty. You can tell because I'm out of tune here. Uh, Robert has, <laughs> Robert's got a little bit more of a singing voice than I do. But I'm um, back with Dr. Buttar. And of course, and he, of course, Robert doesn't sing either. He does not sing either. <laughs> Okay, he doesn't. Oh no, I was trying to mimic Robert. He doesn't sing. But after we got on on the break there at the bottom of the hour, uh, Doctor Butar said, "I heard you call me Butard," and so that made me think it was really funny. And then Super Don said, "Yeah, Robert does sing on the air. He just guy me. So he does." But uh, I guess he never uh, thinks to me that maybe he's uh, maybe that's a personal thing. He just doesn't want me to hear him singing. I don't know. Maybe well, he may be afraid that you're going to just criticize him and cut into him so much that he doesn't do it because because he knows <laughs> he knows man. He knows about the criticism of you when it comes to me, at least. But hey, so this is funny, Doctor Butard. Uh, you said, you know, I heard you call me Butard, and that reminded me. Uh, here, the, the quest for the cures. Uh, we're posting a lot of the interviews that we did last year because we're about to relaunch tonight. By the way, if you haven't if you haven't signed up to watch the quest for the cures continues, we're relaunching the eleven day miniseries starting tonight in about uh, twenty five minutes. So go, go to the to the uh, I think Robert on robertscottbell.com. I think he's got a link up 
to click through and you can go sign up to watch it for free. But anyway, so we're posting the videos of some of the some of the best snippets and of course Dr. Buttar's in there and and they so they they post the video on one of our websites and Charlene calls me over she goes oh no look at this Ty so she calls me over to look at it and it apparently had been transcribed by some kind of a voice recognition software and every time that Rashid Buttar was in there it it, it transcribed it as Rasha Buttard like B U T A R D and so <laughs> I just laughed that's, I was like, oh, that's, how, that's how Ty normally refers to me as so that's <laughs> very, very uh, suspicious, there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, you butard. But no, I got in real quickly, and I and I uh, I fixed it. So I don't think many people saw it out there. I, you know, I didn't I didn't care about it hurting your feelings. That didn't bother me. I just didn't want us to look like an idiot. So I wanted I wanted I wanted to change. Well, I'm sitting here talking to you. I'm, I'm actually reading some emails, and here's an email from Ecuador from uh, some people that I've been corresponding with. Um, and I'll just read this part to you. It says, on a totally different subject, my husband and I were surprised and delighted to see you last night on two of the Truth About Cancer episodes. It was very interesting. We shared the same philosophy regarding health. Um, <clears throat> and it goes on to talk about some things in Ecuador that's a great place to retire, but one of the worst places to do business. But I thought it's interesting that uh, that your Truth About Cancer series are actually, I mean, it's there in Ecuador. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. It's uh, you know, I was speaking down in San Diego this last weekend at the at the Integrative Health Conference, and I was really overwhelmed by the number of people that had that had seen the series and had you know been really uh, empowered with knowledge. A lot of people loved what you had to say in there, you know, because you're you're uh, you're, you're obviously intelligent. You know what you're talking about, but it's it's fun to watch you being interviewed, and and I hate to compliment you on the air like this it's, it kills me but um you know a lot of <laughs> no, you know a lot of people that are really brain brainiac people that are, that are really knowledgeable they give really really bad interviews but you're you're animated and, and i got uh, several people that told me over the weekend that they liked that about you the fact that you're really animated in, in what you shared but those clips were really like good mickey mouse or like donald duck animated right uh you know i kind of think of it more as of goofy goofy yeah i knew that yeah something. <laughs> i set myself but, up for that one yeah, you did, but that's okay. But no, no, the bottom line is that, that uh, a lot of people have seen it. You know, I, I was surprised at the number of people that had seen it. But you got a, you got a, a webinar coming up. Go ahead and tell everybody about that. What's going on May 11th, Doc? Oh, on May 11th is a webinar that we've been promising people since probably January. So, in fact, it's about the, um, to me, it's about the most significant advancement uh, as far as technology is concerned for detoxification. I believe it probably has a potential for being the most significant uh, new uh, method of enhancing. It's not, it's not going to replace anything, but certainly will enhance detoxification. And it's something that you and I talked about a couple of uh, months ago. Uh, we've been testing it. Now we want to do a much bigger uh, study on it, basically. And I'm going to probably do something with probably 500 patients and just see what their responses were using the subjective SF36 patient outcome-based research model so people can tell us what they're experiencing. But I personally um, have felt a difference using the device for maybe, you know, four or five days. And uh, yeah. I won't say much more because we know we have different people that listen to us, so we don't make any kind of claims or anything. Sure. But it's, it's, it's a technology that's readily available. It's using three different technologies. It's put them all together, enhancing them. There's a synergistic benefit when you mm -hmm. combine all three. And... Um, We'll see how it works, but I'll tell you what, the preliminary results for with some of my patients have been quite quite interesting, and they have been more than pleased. 
Yeah, I want to learn more about it. So tell everyone, where, it's May 11th, 8 o'clock Eastern. How can they sign up to watch this webinar for free? Uh, they can go to advancedmedicineseminars.com. And uh, Super Don, I sent you the link, too, so you can put it up on the show notes as well. And uh, people can go there and sign up. And it's, I think, limited to... I, I think we're going to probably limit it to 500 people. You can go and you get registered. There'll, there'll be, I think, you can get 5,000 people up to 5,000 people registered. But it'll only be able to hold 500 people, maybe it's a thousand people. I'm not sure. And okay. um, we will have it available for replay for those that miss it. But I would encourage everybody to sign up, and because the questions that'll come up will only be answered uh, for the people that are obviously there. If you're not there, you can't ask any questions. And Ty, you've done webinars with us before, so you know we've scheduled one-hour webinars, and you know yeah. four hours after we started, the 97% of people are still online asking questions. So I will be there as long as it takes to answer everybody's questions. Okay, good. And I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up tonight to to be there. So I definitely want to see see more about this. It's very interesting. But it's May 11th, eight o'clock Eastern. www.advancedmedicineseminars.com, or you can go to robertscottbell.com. Superdon's gonna put up the link here, so you can click the direct the uh, the banner and go on over to uh, to Doc's uh, webinar here on May the 11th. So that yeah, that's exciting news. I'm very very excited about that. I think the application in all kinds of disease is uh, very very well-established the use of uh, cold, low-level lasers and how these cold, low-level lasers can uh, have an impact on various types of uh, pathology uh, as far as pain, uh, anti-inflammatory, all these different components that uh, level, low-level lasers have been shown to have. And when combined mm. in specific format, um, in self, self-use, meaning people just purchase this you know, themselves, they can use it at home, and that's really the way to see if there's truly a benefit. My uh, patients have been using it in the office only when they're coming into the office. But it's a very intermittent usage, but it's actually supposed to be used every 12 hours or so. And, uh, okay. you know, it's, 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 we'll talk more about the details then, but, yeah. but it's, I'm very, very excited <laughs> about it. Yeah, that is exciting. Now you mentioned inflammation. You know, one of the one of the things that I got from many uh, of the interviewees last year with the Quest for the Cures is the link between inflammation and cancer. So I'm looking here here at, a, at an article that Superdon sent over. It says connection between cancer and uh, breast cancer and diabetes. So I haven't read through the article. It's 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 a short article, but I'm I'm just going to hypothesize here. So <clears throat> when we look at the disease of diabetes, then we have we have a problem with insulin and sugar. When we look at the disease of cancer, we have a problem with uh, with uh, cells that 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 love sugar, right? They 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 feed on glucose. They they metabolize glucose. Could that be? I mean, could that be a link between diabetes and cancer? I have not read the article, to be honest, Doc. Well, I have not either. Uh, Robert and I have talked about some of these types of things in the past, Ty. But I'll tell you that the first thing that you just said, you're, you're actually correct in your correlation and there's actually multiple correlations that we can make uh, let's let's talk about insulin diabetes cancer obligate glucose metabolizing uh, some of these components in fact in the notes that uh, Don sent me there was another study in there that talks about MRI and usage of uh, using sugar uptake in cancer cells selectively to be more active yeah. than biopsy yep. so it kind of ties into that story as well but bottom line is that cancer is an obligate glucose metabolizer, which means that it must have glucose for it to operate, for the cancer to, to actually function and survive. And supposedly, there are only five substances that can enter into a cancer cell. Water, sugar, 
vitamin C, cesium, and rubidium. And these five substances can uh, transfer themselves through a cell member, uh, through the cancer cell membrane, very, very easily. And okay. when you talk about vitamin C, the reason vitamin C is so effective is because vitamin C and glucose have the same receptor sites. They basically uh, act very similar. And so you can easily get that cancer uh, to accept the vitamin C because it sees the vitamin C. In fact, when we give vitamin C infusions, we normally, we don't give sugar to any cancer patients, but when we use certain types of therapies, we will use them with dextrose, D5W, as a carry solution in our IVs because mm-hmm. it acts like Trojan horses. We've got the vitamin C in the dextrose, so the dextrose acts as a Trojan horse and the soldiers, which is the vitamin C, is inside there. And it's not just vitamin C, we use many other types of things uh, intravenously you the same type of concept with the D5W to get them inside the cancer. So, Hey, Doc, hang on just a second. I've, I've got breaking news here. Super Don, is, is RSB on the line right now? Robert? The bird flew back and it's gonna be trouble. <laughs> the bird flew back. He brought his friend. Yay! And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Oh, my. So I guess there's proof that RSB does sing sometimes when he's on the show there, Doc. Is he is he really on the show? Or is, is, uh, I, th- I think Don just found a recording of one of the times that he was, that he had sang on the show. I got you. So this whole time for the last 30 minutes, that's what Super Don's been doing. He found the clip. Nice job there, Super Don. <laughs> I, I, he, Don just Skyped me and he said RSB on the line. I'm thinking maybe he's calling in from over there in, in London. You know, it's middle of the morning for him there, but maybe he's up yeah. and he's listening. But no such luck. But anyway, so go go back. Um, I hate to break your train of thought there, but, I, you know, I know you've shared this before. So just pick up where you are. You just talk, they've got similar receptors. That you, You've got uh, sugar being used as a Trojan horse to get into the cancer cell. So continue. Okay. So now when we look at cancer and diabetes, what is the problem with diabetes? Well, the problem with diabetes is that the cell membrane becomes resistant to the effects of insulin because insulin's job is to drive sugar, which is basically the fundamental fuel source that our body uses, to drive the sugar into the cell so it can be utilized. So because the cell membrane becomes resistant to that effect of insulin driving the sugar in, our sugar levels stay higher because they're not being utilized. Think of it as gasoline. There's more gasoline that you're going to measure free-flowing because there's less going into the engine. So essentially think of it, it. That's one reason sugar levels start to climb. Got it. Now that makes a lot of sense, the correlation between diabetes and cancer. Excelente, Dr. Bittar. We'll be right back here at Robert Scott Bell Show. we got one more segment left with Dr. Bittar on Advanced Medicine Monday. This is TMB sitting in for RSB. He's probably having a bottle of grog over there in London. Stay tuned. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. All right, so we're back to Dr. Bittar. Robert's in London. And I, I have to correct what I said before I said that he's probably having a big old bottle of grog, but on second thought, he's probably having a big old glass of organic yerba mate is what RSB is yeah. probably doing about this time. That's a lot more accurate knowing Robert Scott Bell. That's exactly what yeah. Probably doing that. But, Doc, go ahead and wrap up the, 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 the link between the cancer and diabetes that you were sharing right before the break. Right. So just uh, as, a, as a general summary, pretty much they're both in, uh, pro-inflammatory 
components. They both have to do with the disruption in sugar metabolism. In fact, all the newest research now talks about how cardiovascular disease, everybody should talk about as being lipid-related. It's actually all to do with insulin dysregulation and sugar mm. metabolism uh, imbalances, and which actually leads to cancer as well. So one thing that I also want to equate is that diabetes, a lot of this stuff used to be considered insulin-dependent, non-insulin-dependent, and non-insulin-dependent was actually adult-onset diabetes, but now they can't call it that because a lot of younger people, a lot of younger kids are getting it. They don't have it when they're born, but they start developing it at 8, 9, 10 years of age. And the reason is because of mercury, mercury being the, uh, in the vaccines, and mercury also related to asthma, mercury related to obviously immunosuppression, mercury related to cancer. I've never had a cancer patient yet that did not have mercury. And here's another one, uranium. Uranium is actually more toxic than mercury. So these wow. metals also have a huge play, not only the metals, but the persistent organic pollutants from the book, uh, my nine-step book, when you talk about the seven toxicities, the first one is heavy metals, the second one is persistent organic pollutants. So those things are immunosuppressive. They contribute to diabetes, they contribute to cancer, they contribute to heart disease, but they, it, it's all part of the parcel of the same cascade, it's disruption mm. of the sugar metabolism. Well, it's interesting, you mentioned vaccines there, there's a, there's a story here on Health Impact News about some uh, scientists, I guess, up there in Canada, they're being censored uh, from sharing the truth that aluminum is causing harm, uh, yet something else in the vaccines, you mentioned uh, mercury, but we also got, you know, aluminum that's in many vaccines, and they're they're basically censoring these scientists up there that are trying to come out and tell the truth that there's an, yet another harmful ingredient in vaccines, mercury, aluminum, and we can name a bunch more. But, you know, I look at this and I say, well, duh, of course, look at the list of ingredients that are in most vaccines. It's a toxic cocktail of harmful ingredients. No wonder they're going to censor them. The CDC has a record of censoring. Big, uh, big pharma companies have a record of censoring this information. We saw the CDC story last year, the whistleblower, that they knew that the MMR was causing autism, didn't tell anybody. So I see this and say, duh, which yeah. leads me to today's moment of duh. Uh, what are you people? On dope? <laughs> Amalgamated Association of Morons. Local 6 and 7 8. You're crazy! What is your major malfunction? All right, today's moment of dub brought to you by the CDC and the FDA and all the other alphabet agencies that want you sick. So what is the moment of duh today? Well, here's an article, Doc. I want to get your take on it. The title of the article is Exercising Critically Ill Patients May Help Speed Recovery. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, this is, this is uh, truly a moment of duh. A lot of people may not realize how important it is that when you are in a critically injured state or a critically ill state, one of the best things to do is get people to exercise. Now, how are you going to get somebody to exercise when they're critically ill? Well, think of a woman or a man in their 70s or 80s and they fall and they break their hip. But think of a woman who's just delivered a baby. One of the most important things to do is get them up and get them walking, even if it's right around the bed, twice around the bed, around the nursing mm -hmm. station. It is so critical to get people walking as fast as possible to prevent atelectasis, which is basically the collapsing of the lungs upon themselves, the deep brain thrombosis, you know, the, the embolize, all this stuff extremely important to get everything flowing, get everything moving. One of the uh, cardiologists whose books I actually did read 
and I cannot remember his last name. I believe it was Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. He's a mm-hmm. cardiologist at, uh, in, uh, I know we got to close up, but he's a cardiologist in Dallas, and he will make his patients after they have a heart attack run within 24 hours to get a recovery. Wow. Yeah, running well, Doc, you know what? Attack. It's been fun, Doc. I'm, I'm shocked. We had a great time tonight. Uh, RSB, we missed you, buddy. Hope you're safe over there in London. And we look forward to getting you back here in the United States of America when you get back. But in the meantime, everybody, stay safe. And remember that the power to heal is most definitely yours. The Robert Scott, the Bell, Robert Show. Scott Bell Show.